HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. This week's episode of Meat and 3 is inspired by the reemergence of Cicada Brood 10. We're talking all about insects. Some people are calling crickets the gateway bug because that's a great introduction to what edible insects is all about. So we found detectable levels of cesium-137 in 68 of 122 total honey samples that we had. Ah, what is that? Is it tarantula? No, what is it? It's a tarantula. Oh, and they're going to eat it? No, 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 no. Listen to Meat and 3 wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guest is Sarah Perez. We'll talk to Sarah about Priorat, Mas Martinet, and more. We'll taste some of Sarah's wines for our weekly wine sip. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. You can't talk about wines from the Priorat region of Spain without recognizing the impact the Perez family has made in the last four decades. Sarah Perez is the winemaker and owner, along with her family of Mas Martinet, one of the five founding wineries in the Priorat. Sarah farms organically, is a magician with the Garnacha and Carignan grape, and produces some of the most sought after and interesting wines in the world. Sarah also makes Venus La Universal with her husband, Rene. Welcome to the great nation, Sarah. Hello. And thank you. June is Women and Wine Month on the Grape Nation. Um, every June for the past four years, we feature only women, although during the course of the year, we prominently feature women. So you are the first in our June series of Women and Wine. So wow. thank you for coming on. And thank you for inviting me. 
It's a pleasure to have you. Now, where are you right now? Well, I'm right now in Priora, the Mass Martinet. Okay, you're at the winery. Yes. Um, all right, so let's get right into it. So you've been around Mas Martinet pretty much since you were a kid. You know, now you play a crucial role in the winery. Um, what I want you to do is I want you to give us a little background on your journey in life and wine that got you to running the winery and making the wine. And feel free to, you know, weave in the history of the family and the winery, too you know, because of Priorat and your dad and the other winemakers. But, you know, I want you to do that in the context of, you know, how you got there. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I arrived with my parents and brothers and sister here into Priorat in 1981 because my uh, we lived uh, near Barcelona, so approached to Barcelona, and uh, my parents want to... Uh, moved to a little village and uh, we moved to Priorat. In that moment, in the 80s, at the early 80s, that was like the bottom of the world. And uh, really? coming from Barcelona, I was just nine years old and I was like getting crazy when I arrived here. And it was like, uh, I don't know, it was like I was moving through 50 years uh, in a back. And, and, and it was very, very shocking. And uh, my, my parents were uh, looking that the life here was around agriculture and absolutely viticulture, but there were no schools or winemaking or something like that. So they built the first analogy and viticulture school in Spain, here in Falset, in Priorat. And from that moment, I was there. I was just 9, 10, 11 years old. But we need to build up a cellar, planting, vineyard. And I was here with my brothers and sister. And I was the oldest. So... I need to be here with my parents, just planting, moving stones, um, building up the cellar. And that was very hard at the moment because I was very little. I was a child. Right. But from <laughs> now on, it's like, wow, I was very lucky, you know. Yeah. So in that moment, uh, René Barbier's father was arriving to Priorat. He wanted to make something special with the wines in Priorat. And then he invites Alvaro, Daphne, and other people. And he invites my father because he was the teacher in the analogy in viticultural school. So, so Alvaro all... Palacios, right? Yes. yes. And Daphne, right? And your dad. Okay, and my, go ahead. My dad and Rene Barbier from Close Mogador. Right. So they have started a nice project to rebuild Priorat and the great wines in, in Spain. And we were there, you know, I was just 15, 17 years old and I was there just building up uh, all of that with, with them. But since that uh, childhood looking, you know, and um, yeah. but it, everything was like uh, a show and uh, they, was, they were starting a, a very passionate uh, and non-profit project, a very crazy project from nothing just from the stones from Priorat and 
that was my school. And I think that that was marking me in all my entire life. And did you want it? Did you want to get out of there or you finally yes, realized no, this no, is where no. I'm going to be? You always like, what am I doing in the country? I, 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 I can remember um, uh, Alvaro uh, putting on my nose the first uh, close Martinet or close the fee or close uh, Mogador 89. And and he said, smell it. It's like chocolate. It's like licorice. It's like, and I was just thinking, oh my God, it's just wine. And I hate it. And <laughs> I was not prepared. <laughs> but uh, I went to Barcelona for a studying biologist. And I was in love with uh, ecology, with animals, with um, plants and all of that. And during my five years studying the biologist career, um, I was just thinking, oh, my God, uh, there is wine on my veins. And uh, finally, when I, I finished my, my studies, I, I combined biology with philosophy, trying to understand the world that was very difficult for me. And... <laughs> Right. And finally, in 1996, I decided to uh, leave Barcelona and come back home to Priorat and say to my father, hey, uh, you are working as wine consultant everywhere in Spain. I want to stay at home and I want to restart the Mass Martinet uh, story. So I did it. And I, I my, my father, that is... Um, a great, great, great person permitted me and right. take confidence with me. And I have started in 1996 in Mass Martinet, just wow. trying to make a great revolution in, in wine. Now go back a little when the, the five families you yeah. know, had that vision to make wine. Wasn't it initially like a co-op situation? Yeah. You know, everybody yeah. made the wines yeah. and just slapped their own labels on it? Yeah. The, the, the first Vintage 89 was the same wine and just different labels for different markets. But I, I can remember 1990 Vintage. And Alvaro says, oh, I want a little bit more Barrique, Daphne says, oh, I want uh, just more Grenache. Uh, Rene says, oh, I want just more. So in 1990, there there are some differences between the wines. 1991, it was more, more difference. And, and then in 1992, we separate each other because each one needs uh, their own, to follow their own way. So Sarah, when everybody broke off on their own, mm -hmm. each wine had a uniquely different characteristic, which is what made everyone's wine so beautiful and different, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Um, so the Barbier family is very important to Priorat mm -hmm. and very important to your family. I mean, they were the motivating force in everyone getting together and making wines. Um, but you grew up around all these people and you grew up with is it renee the third the second <laughs> the fourth <laughs> the fourth right yes. so all, you were literally all together but explain you know besides the barbiers being you know like you guys are founding family 
tell me what eventually happened with you and Renee so that it sets up for later on when we talk about other things. <laughs> um, well, in 1989, we made the, the harvest together. And uh, it was uh, very impressive to me when I met him. But then I, I forget him. That's it. <laughs> Okay. But in 1998, so almost 10 years after, we went to California to discover some wineries. And we went with some viticultors here in Purat. And in that moment, uh, November 98, uh, we discovered each other because uh, from the among of all the group, we right. love uh, the same wines. We make the same questions and we question the same subjects so how old were you guys uh in that moment uh yeah. you know, 27 or something okay. like that or Good 26 age. yeah okay so that's that's when everything started yes All right. that's in california yeah <laughs> Right. So we'll get into, you know, how that relationship really blossomed. Well, um, we, we have been, well, in touch. And then in 2001, we wanted to go to make the harvest together in Argentina. So we went, the two of us, together. Really? And, and there we, we really discover uh, each other. That's it. Did you work on... Um, A Chaval Ferrer. Where? A Chaval Ferrer. Uh -huh. It was a, a yes. very nice cellar uh, that it, they have started uh, in 1999, and we went in 2001. Right. Um, so that's interesting. Yeah. All right. I, I want to get into something um, that is hard not to talk about and how it affected you. It's it's really been, you know, life during the pandemic, you know, how it had affected your family, the winery. And hopefully, if you're starting to see a post-pandemic world. So going backwards, you know, what effects did the pandemic have, you know, on Mas Martinet? You know, hopefully no one got sick. How did it affect business, workers? Well, um, we are living in Priora. This is a very little region uh, right. with um, very few people. So... Uh, we are making, we are, are working our own vineyards, we are making wine with our team of uh, 18 people. And uh, on March 2020, uh, it was like a shock, you know. Uh, we, we need to go to the vineyards every day for working. And during 15 days, we didn't know if we could, to follow all the works in all the jobs in vineyard because here in Spain they say you cannot go and work outside. So right. it was very uh, difficult at that moment. In 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 that moment, 2020, normally here in Purat we receive around 300, 400 liters of rain. In 2020, we received 900. It was oh my god. Crazy! It was very nice at the beginning because right. we, from the south, we are always thirsty, and um, in that moment was like, wow, this is like an angel, this is a, a, a present. But uh, well, then the mildew was coming, and everything was very difficult day by day, and we have been losing our crop day by day. So. 
uh, we had two real problems. The first, the economic, because uh, we couldn't sell the wine. Right. And second, the, the, the crop. We lose 86% of our yield. Oh. So during the first three months of the pandemic, we were very uh, scared about economic uh, terms in, in selling. But from the fourth month, uh, we understood that uh, the worst uh, monster was to, to lose our, our crop. Uh, right. And we have it. We have it everything, you know. So right. we make a big reunion with all the team and we said, well, uh, we need to keep all the different families that are working here at Mass Martinet. We will do the impossible and we will take care about our vineyards, about our, our people and about everything. And we were working so, so, so hard. And finally, we have learned that uh, life is that a lot of big rocks in your way and that we need to climb it. We cannot stop. We need to take confidence. We need to respect. We need to to love. And uh, I think that the most important thing that we have learned is that we need to take confidence with our emotional um, learning because the economic or the other things are really not important. So we have been very close all the team and we could uh, go go out of of all this uh, pandemic situation i don't know uh i don't know how it will be the next um one or two or three next years uh really but well i think we are prepared we need to be flexible we need to be right. very conscious we need to reduce our non-important things and we need to focus on taking care of our people and our land and our landscape that's it it sounds like you've prioritized the important things yeah um in the united states you know in most areas it seems like we're coming out of the pandemic Mm -hmm. i don't know exactly what that means you know things are opening it's not like normal life is it like that there or is it a little behind It's it's more or less the same. Now is, we are okay. opening a little bit. So all the people is like, hey, the normal yeah. life is coming. <laughs> but some hope. You, got, you have to have some hope. And like you said, no stone in front of you should, you know, stay in the way. Yeah, so, but it's know. like uh, after a war, the post-war is right. worse sometimes at the, the, the same war. So I don't know. We need to be prepared. We need to pay attention. We need to... To pay, uh, putting clear what is the real important thing. That's it. Yep. And go yep. ahead. That's it. Um, sounds right. Um, I, I know a lot of people have enjoyed wines from the Priorat, but I also know, and you also know, that many more have not. Yeah. Um, you know, so one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is, you know, the wines you make, but also you know, how important Priorat is a winemaking region. Um, I can't think of anybody better than you again. 
to give us a quick lesson on the region. You know, when people think Priorod, here are the things that I, you know, want you to briefly go through. Location, you know, you're in Spain, but where? Um, the climate, you just alluded, you know, you're in the south. Um, there are soils there that have an incredible impact, you mm -hmm. know, on the type of wines. And there's predominant grape varieties. Now, we'll get into those grapes more when we talk specifically about your wines. But the region is known, you know, for mm -hmm. certain grapes. So, you know, quickly take me through all of that, if you can. Well, we are located one hour and a half south from Barcelona. So we are very close to Barcelona. Right. We are very close, 20 minutes to the sea. But we cannot see it because we are located in a... Um, not mountain area because we have no mountains, we have uh, little hills, but a lot of them. We have no plain areas. We we have a very short perspective because always you have a little hill um, in front of your eyes. And our little landscape, uh, plagued from little hills, it's um, with, with a a very stony soil called uh, Licorella. It's a slate. And our orography is very tragic because everything is steep slopes always. So um, the slate is um, dark gray and dark orange because of the oxidation of the iron. And it's very mineral. We are uh, living in a south, uh, thirsty, stony, dusty soil, and and it's it's not easy. But there is a very uh, magic and telluric energy from the soil that people that is arriving here, no wants to leave it. Uh, there is something very special from centuries and centuries and centuries ago that is captivating you, your energy, your focusing, everything. There is um, a special piece uh, from the South that is uh, napping you. It's, it's something strange that it's difficult to describe if you are not coming and, and walking right. through our landscape. And uh, our our vines are going up in deep slopes of a stony, dark gray stones and, and with a lot of hiddenness. And they are trying to survive. And they are giving up little grapes, a majority of Grenache and Carignan. And we are. So you're saying the berry is small? Yeah. Okay, so it's very small. concentrated have, and small? Yeah, we have Camipeceroles that we are making 600 kilos per hectare. It's, 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 it's nothing. It's like, right. uh, you know, 100 grams per, per vine. It's, it's very <laughs> little. It's very hard working here, but at the same time, working here, it's giving you a peace and a growing of soul, uh, very, very special. And um, that mineral soil is translating into the wine. We can bottle uh, a piece of our landscape to show to the world the taste of 
our soil because there is licorice inside, there is iron, there is meat, there is blood. There is all that uh, strange things that are moving you. It's it's a very uh, unique personality, I think. So what, what grapes, you know, the area is known for grapes, but tell me about the grapes, you know, indigenous or, or prominent in the area oh. and and obviously they do well in that you know very trying two hundred years ago we we have been cultivating 15 grapevines in red and 15 grapevines in white but after phylloxera we have reduced to red grenache red carignan and then a little bit of white grenache white pig pool um, red pig pool and a little bit others, but uh, mainly red uh, grenache right. and carignan, and we focus on on both grape varieties. Right, um, that's a good segue because you were gracious enough to send me wines, and I wanted to talk about a couple of wines on the air. We'll talk about the Clos Martinet towards the end of the show, but in front of me, I have the. Martinet Brew, yeah. the 2019, which is mm-hmm. the current vintage. Um, quick, quickly tell me about the wine. You know, there's a great blend in it and, you know, anything else? Well, for me, um, when I have started in, in Mass Martinet, um, I, I took the, the reads from my my parents and uh, they have started Mass Martinet with all the group with an idea that was uh, make a red wines revolution in Priorat and they want to keep the red Grenache. They don't want it, the Carignan and they wanted to plant Syrah and Cabernet and Merlot for uh, to make um, beauty wines uh, here in Priorat because they were tasting the wines from the cooperative with Carignan and a little bit Grenache and the wines were very rustic. So they changed uh, during the 80s uh, a lot the the grape uh, map of of Priorat. And when I... By, I, by adding in those grapes, by adding in Syrah and Capsaw, yes, right? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So well, was um, there any influence like from Tuscany, you know, where Sangiovese well, was <clears throat> predominant yeah. and then with the super Tuscans, yeah, they planted they, Merlot. And... They were looking to France always. So they took okay. the Syrah and the Merlot and the Cabernet. But it's the same that in, in Tuscany was happening. So right. at the same time, more or less. So it was right. something more mundial, you know. That was a, a little revolution in, in different areas, you know. And, and Priorat was not outside from that, you know. But uh, as I took as a second generation, I need to be connected with the generation of my grandparents or my grand-grandparents, not directly because they were not coming from here, but the generation of them. So I need to recuperate the old Carignan and I need to recuperate the old Grunache and some white grape vines trying to to explain uh, all the history of Priorat. And I, I make three different wines, uh, like an homage to 
my to the people before me that was arriving pre-ride before me. So right. for me, Martinet Brew and Klaus Martinet is my homage to my parents. And both of them are made with the five uh, grape vines, uh, Grenache, Carignan, Syrah, Merlot, and Cabernet that the generation of my parents, they decide to plant. So and is, Ma- is Martinet Brew, I don't want to be wrong in saying this, but in a way, is it like a baby, Clos Martinet? Uh, at the beginning, was thinking in that way. When okay. I I took uh, the reads of, of Mass Martinet, I decided that Clos Martinet is one vineyard and Martinet Brew is another different one vineyard. So, right. But at the beginning, was like the second wine. You know, because right. my parents and Alvaro and all of them had that uh, borderless idea about the first and the second wine, you know. Right. But our generation took uh, another way of, of looking uh, the land. And for me, it was one vineyard is one wine. So I decided that Close Martinet was one vineyard, the vineyard of our cellar, and another vineyard that we had, uh, it was direct for Martinet Brew that was younger. And for me, it was that. So we, let me ask you this. You know, you talk about, you know, you started making the wine, innovations and all that. Um, you said somewhere that, you know, you were moving away from scientific winemaking yes. to holistic natural yes. precepts, which yes. I, I think I know what it is. And I think it's right and important, but describe what that is, because I think that's how you're making well, your wine and your farming. I have started to make wines in 90s. Uh, it was for me the most uh, strongest technological area in winemaking, probably. Uh, in the history, and I, I, I have studied biology, and for me, science was was my my mother, and and then now I, I I studied philosophy that was taking me to another way, but right. uh, in the middle, I have studied uh, at the university also knowledge of viticulture, and that was very 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 technician. And when I come back at home, I I have started to from that vision, all the analytics, all the different orientations, the grapevines, vinified from each parcel, vinified separately. Everything was quantified. Everything was, and I have arrived one moment in two thousand vintage that I I was moved by by some different wines that that maybe they were not so well well make it but uh they were moving my soul and and I need to to move my wine making to uh something more holistic more vibrant more 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 different I need to feel the wine and not just quantify the wine and is in 2000 when you went organic yes okay yeah this is this whole feeling brought you towards that direction right yeah the 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 first was uh to move to organic then to agroecological then to nature moving from permaculture to biodynamic uh, through a lot of ways that they are joining me in, in just one way of vision. And um, I think that um, I, I, 
I, I pass my 75% of my time in vineyard. Right. Walking, uh, smelling, touching, uh, working, and, and, and feeling what that uh, vintage is giving to me. And then in cellar, we are staying very, very, very few. We, we never touch anything. We let the wine So low, low intervention, you're saying? Yes, but low intervention is a term that uh, in different mouths uh, have uh, different significance. Okay, so, so explain explain what you, you were getting me, into what you were doing. Well, it's, it's agroecological in vineyard. That means uh, half of permaculture, half of biodynamic, half of organic. And and then in in cellar, I took the grapes, I dumped the stem, I I crushed with my feet all the grapes, and I put into the I enter into the tank to 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 crush the the grapes, and then I let it, I let it ferment, I let it move, I let it evolutionate. Then we taste when it's the fermentation, it's finished. I press. And I decide uh, where is the, the better place for its expression every, every vintage. And I let it develop itself. And for me, this is a low intervention. I'm deciding, yes, but I'm not putting anything. And I right. think that this is important. And don't you use, once you move the wine to whatever vessel... Don't, haven't you and don't you use different uh, mediums, you know, whether it's wood or glass or clay yeah. and different types of woods? Yeah, I, 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 I'm I, coming from fermenting in stainless tank and right. eating in new wood. That's it, from 90s. And then a lot of different of my wines were not happy in that process. So... I start to use other materials and other capacities. So I'm moving from glass from 54 liters to a foudre from 4,000 liters, passing for clay amphora 200 or wow. 500, but glassed uh, amphoras or, well, concrete tanks, uh, concrete eggs, uh, different things. It's true that every vineyard um, has two or three uh, places where the wine is happy to be aged in. Right. Uh, right. Not all the materials or all the vessels are okay for all the wines or all the parcels or all the vintages. And um, the majority of, of the times, I, I don't... I don't use just one vessel during all the all the aging because the wine is not happy always. So I'm right. tasting really right. the, when the wine is happy is is giving you something about happiness. The wine is expressing. You, you know, it's you young. know, it's alive, right? Yeah, it's that. Yeah. And yeah. and sometimes when you are tasting, you say, "Wow, this is not so happy." So we need to move. And and we move it if it needs more oxygen, more opening, or more close, or more, I don't know, tiny or more. So we are deciding every time where we put the wine. But it's the wine who is 
marking right. us where it to did, go. It dictates, right. Um, qu- quick question. The other winemaking families in the Priorat, is everyone pretty much moving to organics or biodynamics and, you know, their cellar practices are similar or it varies? Barbier? Everybody, or, or you know, whether, everybody. Yes. Yeah, in Alaska, whether it's Erasmus, it, Mogador, I mean, are they, is mm, everyone respecting? A lot uh, of, uh, yes, a lot of, of people in Priorat in the last 10 years is moving to organic and okay. are moving to organic. And uh, yes, uh, yes, there is, a, I think in all the regions, there are, uh, uh, there is a like little revolution. Little because I, uh, my desire is that, uh, it can be bigger, you know, but uh, right. it's okay. Something is right. moving, and 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 that's nice. And that's nice. Right. Um, Sarah, we have to take a quick break. We're talking to Sarah Perez. Sarah Perez is Mas Martinet in the Priot region. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about her wines, a project with her husband, and a few other things. You're listening to the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Okay, we're back. We're back with my guest, Sarah Perez from Mas Martinet. Um, Sarah, let's talk about your wines a little. We talked a little about Clos Martinet and Martinet Brew, you know, five great varieties. You know, it's an homage um, to your parents and all of that. Um, you mentioned Garnache and you mentioned uh, Carignan. Um, these involve your other wines. So there's Wakami Pesarol, um, Elas Escurcons. Let's, you know, talk to me about the wines. You well, know. In, in 1995, I went up to the mountain because I, I wanted to discover the nest of an eagle that every year was coming to, to my uh. home on March and was living on October. And um, and 
Uh, we discover at 600 meters that here is very high in Priorat, a uh, very special soil from 400 millions above, and uh, it, it, it was more than 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 amazing. And uh, all people from the town, when I moved the soil for planting, they say, "Wow, 200 years after, are you replanting in Elzescursons?" So there is a mythic place called Elzescursons that I wanted absolutely recuperate from after the phylloxera. So I took old vines from um, Porrera, from Grenache, because in Elzescursons, people from 200 years ago were planting just Grenache, and I planted red Grenache from Porrera there. And this is Elzescursons. It's a very a real, ethereal, but pure at Grenache that is moving my heart like uh, anything in the world. Really? And uh, for me, this is my homage to the people that was planting before the phylloxera, before 18th century. And then we are working a very nice old carrion uh, planted in 1939. That is the reflex of uh, the, plant, the vineyards planted after the phylloxera because the people were moving from the top of the hills to the bottom of the hills from Grenache to Carignan when the phylloxera came. And they replant with American rootstock the Carignan on the bottom of the of the hills and and we recuperate that very ancient uh, Carignan and this is Camipeceroles. And this is the most rustic and tragic wine that I never made and for me is my <laughs> homage to the people that keeps alive that old vineyards during two world wars and the the most tragic moment in, in Catalonia or, or right. Spain. So for me they are part of my ancestral people and it's a part of our vineyard history in Priora. Absolutely. Now, in the Kami, is it Grenache and Carignan? Well, it's 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 very old Carignan with a, with with Grenache. There are sometimes okay. that this six hundred kilos from one hectare of Carignan. Sometimes it's three hundred, and then we have a little bit more Grenache than right. Carignan. Right, it varies. But always, the Carignan is more present than the Grenache in tasting. It's always right. there. Now, are you starting to make more white or you're making about the same or maybe even less? Um, where are you with your whites? You know, you talked about Peak Paul and the Pedro Jimenez, the Garnacha Blanco. Yeah, I have I have started planting in 2002, the white vines, because um, our, uh, our region was very famous for distillate and sweet wines. But when our parents came, they demonstrate, they make the red wine revolution. But we are in the South. So our trying to make little bottles, few bottles of uh, white wines was uh, like, wow, we are into the South. Uh, we can <clears throat> do great white wines. So I think that since 2000, we have started a silent white wine revolution. That nice. now is impressionant. I have planted in 2002, trying to recuperate white pig pool, uh, then the white grenades that we had, and Pedro Ximenez. 
nice. of, of our traditional white uh, grapevines. And I'm absolutely in love with them. Here, traditionally, um, we make the fermentation with the skin, like an orange. We call so it it's almost like, like an orange wine, right? Yeah. We call brisat is our traditional way of of, of uh, working the white wine, and I did that since two thousand and eight. But it's curious. I love the brisat wines, the orange wines. So I made the the, the orange wine from Cami Peceroles that I call Peceroles brisat, and I made it since two thousand and eight. But I put my first vintage on the market last year with 2016. That, that's I the have, first, wow. I have eight vintages in my cellar. Jazz. Let's I was go, come on. come on. I was scared about the world saying, no, oh no, my I've... God, people will say that I'm crazy. So no. I kept eight They can say that anyway, but screw them. You're not crazy. Um, well, that's exciting. So, we'll, you know, to, when you think of Mas Martinet, think of, you know, white wines in the future, too. Mm-hmm. Um, before I want to I want to do the wine list with you and I want to sip a little of the close Martinet with you. Um, I wanted to ask you, <laughs> as tireless as you seem, it seems like you find time. <laughs> To even do uh, other things, you have your own project called Beyond Mas Martinet called Venus La Universal. Yeah, I think what's nice about it is it's with your husband Rene Rene yeah. Barbier. Hmm. Um, um, it looks to me like it's very sensual expressions of Garnache and <laughs> Carignan, um, which is maybe something you want to do, you know, other than Mas Martinet. Yes. Tell me quickly about you know Venus La Universal. Well, I took the rides of Mass Martinet in 1996, and I used to um, share a table and wines and gastronomy and time with uh, my colleagues here in Priorat and, and Tarragona and around with wines. And um, I discovered three years uh, after than 96 in, in 1999 that the most of the bottles that uh, we put uh, on blind tasting uh, on the table, they had the burgundy shape. Right. We have been drinking during a lot of years uh, and a different style from the wines that we used to make. Because in Priorad, we had that idea during the 90s that more is more and more ripening, more alcohol, more structure, right. more wood, more, more. And I was arriving 1999 and i had the sensation to arrive to at the end of the way there is no way i cannot <laughs> ripe more i cannot extract right. more i need to make a change so um i was living in falset that is actually a monsant appellation and um it's outside uh priorat appellation so i used to work at mass martinet so very dark, gray, dusty, and stony, and hiddenness, and dark place. And then I, I took my car just five kilometers. I go up to Falset, that is a granitic soil with quartz, with a lot of luminosity, a lot of freshness. And when I had the sensation every day that I was coming from the dark to the light, to the brightness. And 
Then one day I said, oh my God, I need to make wine here in Falset. There is no a nice appellation called Tarragona. My God, nobody knows. But right. if I'm searching for something um, bright, for something tense, for something uh, special, uh, it's here. So I, I start in 1999 to find some Carignan and, and some Syrah in that moment to make uh, a special granite wine, more tense, more beauty, more more different. And in that searching of beauty, I I went to um, uh, Galleria Uffizio in, in Florencia and I saw the birth of Venus and, and, and I fell in love. And I said, oh my God, this is the name for my wine. This is the beauty that I'm searching for. And I have the wine. I have no name, but now I have the name. So that was a little bit uh, the idea, to make something completely opposite to our Mediterranean hymnus and structure right. priorat, you know? It's great that you're able to do that, you know, keeps your creative juices flowing, <laughs> you know, instead of doing the same thing. Um, and what does, how does Renee help? And then in that moment, Renee was starting in another Monsanto project with Renee's father. But then we, we start together. And uh, in 2004, I said, oh, my God, I have a partner here in Monsanto. Maybe you must be my partner. So, Perfect. well, we make a change. <laughs> I say to my right. partner, oh, my God, you are my friend, but I need to put Rune here, so get out of here. And now we are living in Venus, and it's both of us. <laughs> That's, That's it. You just said you're living there? Yes, yes, nice. we are living in Venus. Yeah. Nice. Um so that sounds like a terrific project and it sounds like an opportunity to taste two different, you know, of yeah. your styles. And and um, and it's 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 nice because in purity is well known and we have just one style that it's very uh, important to right. communicate that right. and the personality. But right. in Monsanto we have five different styles, different exposure and different climates and we can play a lot. And right. we are doing uh, the wines with an absolute freedom that it's uh, for us something for growing up. Sounds great. All right, Sarah, I want you to quickly answer my wine list. We ask all our guests the same five questions. Okay. Our I listeners, uh, you won't have to try. It'll be great. Uh, our listeners love to hear what people like you are drinking. So the first question is, what are you drinking now? What's in your fridge? What are you tasting, experimenting with the seasons changing? Do you switch wines? What are the few wines, you know, other than tasting your own stuff you're drinking? What do you like? This is very difficult. Um, it's not difficult. Yes, because I have a lot of them. One of the... Give the, me the top two. <laughs> um, we, with Rene, we share our passion for discover everything and okay. we are very focused on absolutely natural wines and okay. absolutely in in a plenty of areas around the world but one of uh, our favorites is uh Jerez. so we love wait who Jerez. sherry oh okay Jerez. Sherry. 
Right. Yeah, for me, it's like sherry. sherry. Sorry. Have you? No, for no, no. It's okay. I, you know, I wanted to make sure. So you know, because I post this on our social media. <laughs> okay. Now, is this something that recently you've gotten into? It's something you've always admired. Uh, well, it, it, I have been before, but um, through the orange wine that I make, uh, I love also the um, velo flor, the the yeast on the top. Yes, from from sherry. And we are working on that way from two of our new wines in here in Purat and and in Monsanto. You're taking the lead from them. Yeah. And and that's more than crazy. I think that it's like (laughs) opening your mind. Those are your innovations. Yeah. Go ahead. And and I think that, that it's nice because sometimes we simplify everything and we think about red wine in wood, white wine, direct press and very flower or fruit. And that's it. And I think that the most important thing is open your mind because when we are very tolerant in wine, we can do gastronomy and then with people and then with society and education and everything. And I think that the wine- So good, important. Good segue. Tell me your favorite wine and food pairing. Um, wow. It may not be something you eat, you know, often, but in your mind, what just... Look, um, our one of our traditional dishes here in Priorat is lamb. Okay. And uh, lamb with uh, dry fruits and in the oven and with a little bit sauce and during eight uh, hours cooking, something like that. So you lamb... have to match a wine to that sauce and the gaminess <laughs> of the lamb. What's yeah. good? And... Normally, we think that with the lamb, we put the red wine. But uh, for me, one of the most beautiful nights was opening a white priorat called Neline from René, from Clos Mogador, and right. combine it with lamb. Because the lamb is so fat. And with right. a white wine, it's like uh, cleaning your mouth. You know? Right. It's like a palate and for cleanser. me, it's one of the best ever that that is see that's that's how you answer that question that's a very interesting and well thought out pairing all right next question um hopefully you can answer and i know because of the pandemic you haven't been out and about much but think before that do you have a favorite wine restaurant and or bar is there anything around you or through your travels where the wine list is terrific the people that serve it are great. They're knowledgeable. The selection is good. Um, Absolutely. Is there anything? Can Roca. El Seller de Can Roca. Ah, well, that's one that's of the it. most famous. I know rest- that, that, that we have very No, no, close, that's a great answer. But really, this is, this is the best. It, it really is the best. So we're going to leave it at that. All right. Fourth question. This question is, what is your favorite all-time wine? Now, I have to back up. When I originally started asking the question, I wanted people to tell me the rarest, most expensive wine they ever drank. I don't care about that anymore. I care about that wine that, you know, throughout your wine life that was important to you, that, you know, awoke you, that, you know, just was meaningful to you. What's that What's that wine, that important wine to you? Or, or more than one. Um... One of the wines that have shocked me was uh, the white from Vigna Tondonia. 
probably uh my idea that the red wines were the best for aging was not uh correct uh, they taught you a lesson the, so the, i think that, that ideas. this is a degree an upgrade uh white white wines can be aged uh, probably more than red i agree and i agree they do it as well as anyone all right last question the last question and Sometimes it's harder for winemakers to answer this than sommeliers or even restaurant people. But what do you think the best value wines are? Um, if you had to pick, like my kids are in their mid-late 20s and they don't want to buy crappy wine, you know, for a small amount of money, but they can't afford, you know, to buy. So where do you think they're a good value in red and white could be Spain, could be your wines, it could be anywhere in the world. What comes to your mind? Um, I think that in natural wines, uh, you you can have one of the most uh, great values, actually. I agree. And um, Loire, Petnat. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that uh, they are probably not the wines that I adore more because I'm searching always for a lot of complexity. But uh, approaching that, because I can see my child and my, my children, the, 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 the elders are um, 18 and 17. And they have been winemaking with my parents during five years natural wines and they adore natural wines they can pay with their friends uh our didos uh in monsan and then the rest of the natural wines around or french or italy but absolutely here in, in catalonia and for me the great revolution in natural wines is we we need more complexity and 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 more and and paying more for them but now the more approachable with complexity and 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 fantastic approach uh wines for me are the natural i i, I sure. love that answer and i agree with you i agree on two things i agree there are some terrific values there and and i and think I that uh if we can if the young people can approach to the wine through the natural approach, I think we can change the world. I agree. And I agree that, you know, down the road, there has to be, you know, some attention towards making more complex wines and all mm. that. All right. So the last thing I want to do, because we're almost done, is I want to taste for our weekly wine sip. I want to taste the Klaus Martinet. It's the 2017. Um, would you say this is a flagship wine? I mean, this is an important wine yes. to the winery. Okay. So tell me a little about it. The vintage. We talked about the Martinet brew. This is the big brother in a way. Um, tell me about the blend and the vintage and everything. Well, um, Close Martinet is our flagship because it's our first wine from the single vineyard and uh, it's, it's the name of our place. So we have started with that wine and, and it's my, my, my house wine. Right. And, um, and 2017 is a very hard vintage. In, in, in that vintage, I have uh, learned to... Uh, 
two important things. I forget my selection grade table and I said, no, I don't need it anymore. And uh, I used to make uh, pie de cuba. So I, I don't use um, industrial yeasts. I, I, I used to go to the vineyard. I took some grapes. I, I crashed with my feet. I put in a, in a barrel and I wait for one week, more or less, fermenting inside, reproducing the yeasts. And then I put in, in the tank. In 2017, I had no time. So I make a spontaneous everything. So oh. I took the grapes, I put in the tank, and that's it. And I was very scared, and it was <laughs> going fantastic. Like yeah. So uh, 2000, I, I prefer the fresh vintages, like 2018 mm-hmm. or 19 or 20. But, but 17 for me is the last um, very hot vintage that I managed as I could. And I think that just doing it spontaneous saved me. So I was very scared, but 2017 showed me that everything is possible. And I'm, I'm tasting the wine, I'm drinking the wine, and there is, is born from the hiddenness, from the war, a warm vintage, but there is right. a complexity that I adore, absolutely. Mm, very much so. On the nose, on the palate. Mm. What, tell me... What are great foods to pair with this particular wine? Wow. I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't I know. I'm, I'm, go when damn I open, well with a hamburger. Well, why not? <laughs> pizza, which is not, you I know, Spanish. Well, I think, yeah, and, 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 and everything. I think that when, when you have a, a very nice bottle of wine that is taking your attention, you don't put uh, a lot of attention to the um, what you are eating. For me, pairings are Good really di- di- difficult. I'm, I'm choosing a bottle of wine, and then we are doing something that can be okay. I, I'm not cooking asparagus with it, okay? Right. So right. I, I can put some uh, some some meat or with a little bit sauce or not. I can right. put some fish also because it's not so tannic. So, you know, it can be right. um, cut or something like that, that it's, it's enough uh, fat, you know, to, yep. to, to balance with it, the tannins. So, There's good know. versatility based yeah. on the type of wine it yeah. is. for yeah. a, It'll do well with a lot of foods. All right, Sarah, I told you things would go quickly. We have to wrap up. Um, I want to get some information from you. But before we do that, let me just do a little closing. If you have a question, suggestion, wine happening or event, hit me up at samatthegrapenation.com. That's samatthegrapenation.com. Subscribe to the Grape Nation podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Um, Don't be lazy. Just hit that subscribe button and every show, you know, will come up. Um, follow us on Facebook at The Grape Nation, on Instagram, we're at S. Ben Ruby on Twitter, we're at Ben Ruby. But you can always use the hashtag The Grape Nation on both. We're trying to build a little community on Clubhouse, so follow us at Ben Ruby. As I mentioned, I will post Sarah's wine list with some interesting recommendations. I will post the wines that we drank. 
the vintages and you know the specific names um, on our social media sites. Sarah, <clears throat> if we want to find you, Cl- uh, Mas Martinet, Venus on social media or on the internet, where are the best places to go? Uh, I I don't know everywhere. You can okay, come so- here and then social media. Yes. Um, in Instagram, absolutely. And uh, I think it's Mas Martinet, right? Mas Martinet, yeah. And then right. Venus Universal also in, in okay. Instagram. V-N-U-S. I think that there we are very connected. And okay. from here, and then, the webpage. Right, I was just going to say, if you Google any of the... Uh, yeah. If you Google Close Martinet, Mas Martinet, yeah. you know, you, you'll... We are there. There's, there's a beautiful website, you know, with uh, you. a lot of information. All right, Sarah, I want to thank you for taking time, literally probably walking back from the fields into a room to talk to me. Um, So I appreciate that. Thank you to our guest, Sarah Perez. Thank Um, you. Thank you to our engineer, uh, Matt, and everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sam Ben Ruby, and you've been listening to The Grape Nation. The Grape Nation is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.